George Burns was a great comedian of years ago, but his wife, um, unknown to many, was equally funny and was well known for the practical jokes that she would play on other people and they would play on her in return. So one day she came to the door uh, to answer it at um, Park Avenue and there was a surprise package for her from one of her friends. She opened it to find not jewelry uh, or not the latest fashion. She found a live baby alligator about this big. Well, she was getting ready to go somewhere, so the alligator wasn't particularly dangerous at this stage. So she took the alligator, put him in the bathtub, and then went on about her business. When she came back to the home later in the day, she found a note on the door from her maid. It said, in part, Ms. Allen, I quit. I don't work in no house with an alligator. I guess I should have told you before I started, I just never thought it would come up. Well, apparently it does come up. I, I don't know if you saw the news or heard this week about the golfer that was playing in Florida. And he hit his ball into a water hazard. And it was clearly marked that there were uh, alligators there. But uh, undaunted, he went into the water. And a scene reminiscent of Happy Gilmore ended up confronting an alligator and, uh, and wrestling the alligator and hitting and beating the alligator until he could free himself. Uh, I don't know if he got his ball back. I wonder which one of these, the maid or the golfer, more closely resembles the heart of King David. Perhaps you can decide as we look at this story from David's life in 1 Samuel 17. It starts with the ongoing battle between the Philistines and the Israelites. And finally, to try to move things along, the Philistines put forward a champion. His name is Goliath. He's nine feet tall. And Goliath every day comes out front toward the Israelite battle line and says, look, Send your best man forward, we'll go one-on-one, and the winner take all, and the losers become slaves. Uh, But no one moved on the Israelite line as they were frozen in fear, and that's where we pick up the story. Whenever the Israelites saw Goliath, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. Now, David had come to the front to visit his brothers, and he asked those standing near him, What will be done again for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him all that they had said, but his brother, when he heard this, looked at David with anger and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What have I done, said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned to someone else and continued the same line of questioning. This was reported back to Saul, and Saul called for David. David said to King Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only little more than a boy, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you'd like to follow along uh, with the message this morning, there is an insert, an outline uh, on the insert. 
And let me just give you a thesis right away, because this is a significant issue. And the thesis is that a heart for God is a brave heart. A heart for God is a brave heart because, quite frankly, we all face giants. So we all face giants. We all face alligators of whatever size that make us want to quit. The giant could be at home such that you don't want to leave work and go home because of relationship struggle. Or maybe the giant is at work and you don't want to leave a home and go to work. Or maybe the giant is an illness that has come upon your family or a change in economic situation. All of us face giants. But what determines a giant is not the actual size. What I want to do is give you a few handles first on recognizing giants today because for the maid, an alligator, this big was the giant. For the golfer in Florida, an alligator much larger did not pose the same problem. How will we recognize giants? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is you know you have a giant in your life when it causes you to lose heart. A giant will cause you to lose heart. You'll you'll lose your joy. You'll lose your peace. You'll lose your confidence as you shrink back from the situation. One of the ways to recognize a giant is you will begin to lose heart. It was the most interesting study they did about a decade ago of some very successful people, uh, very well educated in some respects, um, high-powered business people in other uh, respects. Some were great athletes. But what they found, the reason they were studying them is they all suffered from low self-esteem. And they just couldn't imagine why these otherwise very successful people would have such a low opinion of themselves. Well, after studying the subjects for quite some time, they they came up with this common denominator. Every one of these people was uh, very successful in most areas of their life, but they had an area in their life where they were afraid to face a problem that was in front of them. And as they shrank back from the problem, it made them feel bad about their entire life. It sunk their whole life, this inability to face this one issue. So a man may close seven or eight-figure deals at work, but won't go to the doctor to get his prostate level checked because of what he fears. A woman may be very successful and worked her way up to the top of the corporation, but won't go home and face her husband and talk to him about sharing some of the responsibilities that happen around the house. Very successful at some er- in most areas, but on one area, unwilling to go and face an issue. When you get that situation that causes you to lose heart, it doesn't matter whether it's the tiny alligator or the large one, that has, your gi- has become your giant. You'll recognize your giant because the giant uh, will cause you to lose heart. You'll recognize your giant in that its power, has an, its power lies in the ability to generate fear. One of the issues that giants raise among us is, is they scare us. And so Goliath walks out. And as far as I can tell biblically, Goliath has never killed an Israelite. May have knocked off some other Philistines, may have knocked off Amalekites, I have no idea. But he hadn't killed anybody yet. And yet they're desperately afraid of him when he comes and walks out in front of the battle line. The power of many of our giants is the ability they have just to make us afraid. Stories told uh, decades and decades ago of a Persian army general who had a most unique method of dealing with deserters and traitors. When the deserter was brought back or when the traitor was revealed, he would give them a choice. And the choice was they could die by firing squad. They could be shot right then and there by firing squad. Or they could be forced to walk through what he called the big black door. And he showed them the big black door. 
He said, as he reported this to an Arab chieftain one time, he said, almost without fail, the deserters and traitors choose the firing squad because they'd rather take the known death than face the unknown. They're afraid of that. And so the chieftain finally said, well, just between us, what's behind that big black door? And so that's easy. He said, it's freedom. If they go out that door, I don't come after them. They have forfeited freedom out of fear of the unknown. And I think that's one of the things we need to realize as we talk about giants is their fear is usually based on inaccurate perceptions. Inaccurate perceptions. Fear is usually built on, on a, a foundation of lies. Um, you, you don't know what's behind that big black door, but you just imagine that it's the worst. You inaccurately perceive what's behind that. Goliath, think about Goliath. Nine feet tall, wore all sorts of armor, but when he would step out, the Bible says, from the battle line and go toward the Israelite battle line, he always had a shield bearer, an armor bearer, stand in front of him for protection. If he's so tough, why does he have to have a guy go in front of him? There are truths about our giants that we sometimes won't get to the bottom of because of our, our fears. We, we just perceive they must be tougher than we can imagine. But if we step back for a moment and look at the fear and face it square, we realize that the fear is often based on things that are not real. It's interesting to me to note that David's oldest brother, oldest, tallest brother, and David see the same evidence in front of him. Giant guy, lots of armor, shield bearer in front, and they draw completely different conclusions. For David's older brother, it's don't go there. You don't want to mess with that. And for David, it is an opportunity. Fear is rarely based on reality. It's always based on some inaccurate perception, but we don't discover it until we move forward and take the step from the battle line forward to face that fear. Another thing I want to let you know, though, is that giants then can only be faced by people who have a courageous heart. Because if you don't have the courage to face your fears, you will never find out what's really there. You'll never find out what the giant is really made of. And so it takes a courageous heart to do that. And I want to say two things about a courageous heart. One is a courageous heart accurately assesses danger. I am not asking you to be foolhardy and and fearless and just in the way that you charge into anything without assessing what it is first. If your golf ball gets lost in a water hazard with alligators and you've never wrestled one before in one, don't get it. Go buy another one. Uh, Forget about it. Now, if you've had success with alligators before, you can assess it accurately, then go in there. That, but it's a matter of understanding not that the giant poses no problem, but you accurately assess the problem. And you put the problem in relation to something else that I'll mention in a moment. So the first thing is, I'm not inviting you to do something foolhardy in the name of God. Because God is not usually calling you to foolhardiness. But God is calling you to accurately Uh, assess the giant and then figure out how to face the giant because secondly, that if you will face the giant uh, and this danger, if you will involve God in your equation. David is the only one who involves God in this whole equation. The Israelite armies just sit there frozen day after day. But David comes forward and says, who is this guy to pick on the army of the living God? You can't get away with this. David names God when nobody else will. 
And the thing is, if you're not willing to name God, then you've lost the source of your courage anyway. The very thing that could have given the Israelite soldiers courage, they abandoned. They abandoned the presence of God and the reality of God in their life. They became what we've called before functional atheists. Functional atheists are people, if you ask them, they believe in God. That's, that is a conviction of their life. But they act in their life as if God is not present. And so they retreat in face of the giant because they cannot believe that God is there. So for all intents and purposes, there's no difference between the Israelite soldiers and the Philistine soldiers. Neither one of them think God's in the picture. But David does. Let me give you just three things as we close to help you include God in the equation when you go up against the giants of any size in your life. The first thing is I would invite you to see God in past experience. That one of the best ways to prepare for giants and to face a giant today or future giants is to, is to find out where God has been with you in the past. Uh, because when you get that sense, you get more confident that God is with you now. One of the ways I recommend doing that is just keeping a journal. Just keeping a journal, and, and as you write about what's going on in, in your life and in your uh, uh, faith walk, you'll come back to it and realize there were times when you thought you were cornered and there was no way out. And then God brought you out. God opened a way for you. You see that enough times in your past experience, and it will encourage you going forward. That's all David did. Saul said, you can't go out there, you're just a kid. And he said, look, I've fought bears and lions, and God's given me the victory every time. He could point to his past experience with God. Second thing is, I invite you to see God in the present moment. I invite you to see God in the present moment to picture how God might be moving in this giant. Uh, one question always to ask in your life is, what's God doing here? What do you think God is doing here? And when you start looking for God, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see God because amazing things happen when we train our perceptions, when we, when we focus our senses on things. I don't know if you've ever had the experience that you, you bought a car. And when you bought the car, you're pretty sure that not many people had the same make and color of the car. And then as soon as you drive off the lot, you see the car everywhere. You see it on the freeway. You, you see it in the parking lots. You see it on the side streets and people's driveways. And there are one or two possibilities. One is you're a trendsetter and everybody saw you in that car and they wanted it. Now, have you seen my car? You know that's not so. The other possibility is your eyes got opened. When you bought that car and then you recognized you were looking for it. You saw how many were around. Same thing happens. Start looking for God in the situation and you will just be amazed at how often you see God working in your life. And that gives you confidence against the present and the future giants. And the third thing I would invite you to do is to step out in future faith. And what that means is that you believe that if you take that step, that God, who's been there in the past and is here in the present, is going to be there in the future when you take that step. That if you move off this line toward the giant, God is going to be in that picture. Uh, it's amazing to me about God's timing. God never seems uh, to work a lot when I'm standing behind the other soldiers or I'm hiding in the crowd, when I'm refusing to step forward. But the moment I step forward... Toward that giant, it seems for some reason at that moment, God becomes a part of the equation in ways that I can actually see. And so we start, uh, after we've seen God in our past and we've been looking for God in the present, then we are 
courage to take that step toward that giant, knowing that God is going to be there in that moment. And we call that step forward faith. So we have faith that in the future God is going to make a move. David quite clearly took that step. I think David knew. He accurately assessed that Goliath was nine feet tall, but he further assessed that God was a lot taller than Goliath. And he moved forward. And the rest, as you know, is history. I was thinking about something I'd read some years ago about uh, a war that existed between uh, Malaysia and Indonesia. And in this war, the Malaysians, who were somewhat at disadvantage, uh, began to hire troops from Nepal to help them in, in, in battle. And they found a tribe from Nepal that was particularly fierce and, and brave. And so they would use these guys to help them in battle. So they came up with a plan. They thought they could surprise um, the Indonesian troops by uh, paratrooping, by landing some of these uh, tribesmen in a particular area uh, where they weren't being looked for. And so they proposed the plan to the tribe, and they said, look, we need you to come uh, by plane, the transport plane, and you're going to jump off into this area, and they're not going to be looking for you. And we're going to surround them. It's going to be a great advantage. And for the first time in their history working with a tribe, the tribe refused the request. They said, no, we're not going into that battle. Well, the Malaysian officials were rather surprised. But the next day, the next day, the tribe sent an emissary back to them and said, all right, we've reconsidered. We're willing to go in there on that plane under three conditions. Number one, that we don't have to jump onto any rocky outcroppings, uh, that there will be good places that we can land. And they said, yeah, you're, you're in a jungle area. You'll be good. You'll, you'll find a soft landing. They said, okay. Second thing we asked for is that the plane fly as slowly as possible, as slow as possible. And they said, well, we always do that, you know, when we're, uh, uh, when we're having troops jump. Uh, yes, it will go as slow as possible. Finally, they said, our third request is that the plane flyer than no, high, no higher than 100 feet off the ground. And the officer said, no, that we can't do. You know, if you're that low, your parachutes are not going to have time to open. And the representative of the tribe looked at him and said, parachutes? You mean we get to use parachutes? We'll go. That's the kind of attitude I think that was in the heart of David. A fierceness, a commitment uh, to battle the giants, a bravery on the part of, uh, that came from his faith. Now the good news is this. Not only is that sort of bravery available to us, but the better news is that our God never sends us in without a parachute And we'll talk about that next week.